0: Oh, to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation, and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. Tell your friends. I'm Lori Steele. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Where's Joey? That's what I was going to (laughs) say. I thought you were going to sound like Joey. I was going to say, and Joey Boudreau, but I just don't. I hope he listens to that on repeat.
1: (laughs) I do. I do. You know, I think he is out making life happen in our community,
0: doing important stuff, Lori. Yep, so he'll be back and we'll uh, rack his brain to see what was going on. Uh, But today on this episode, episode 231, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll have an avid listener and a grateful recipient who wants to share his experience with donation. Wait until you hear this story. Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm also gonna be talking about life, but just how do we slow down in life?
0: I really need to hear that. This was for me. I'll grab my pen and my paper and we'll have more for you right here on The Gifted Life. Hang on. on the Gifted Life podcast. We are excited to introduce you to our newest friend, Tony Lucero. Hey, Tony. Hi, how are y'all? Good. How are you? Uh, doing good. I've been blessed. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. we can't wait to to dive into your story. Tony is a, a grateful recipient. But if we could start off, like, how did you find us, Tony?
2: Actually, I, uh, after I uh, reached out to my donor, uh, I, I received a letter and uh the the letter said up on it and then i just started kind of you know looking around i was waiting to hear back from them uh it took them a while to kind of you know call me back and uh and i just started i got on your website so i posted my story there first and then i was like what is this podcast and then i i wish i would have found your podcast a lot sooner to be honest with you guys because it it, uh it's help me heal believe it or not oh
0: we thank you for for sharing that we we are making so many new friends from uh, across the country across the world um just from doing this podcast it's something that we started um just to kind of share best practices and and try to make life happen so uh thank you for sharing that thank you for for googling for finding us for reaching out and then for joining us here today that's that's kind of special tony so we thank you
2: Yes, ma'am,
1: no, I think Libby. She's the one that <laughs> I was gonna say was really, really sweet when I met her. So I work with Libby and when you said that we You all love Libby. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man when She you,
0: connects everyone.
1: <laughs> She really does. And she just, she loves that part of the job. She's really gifted with that. She loves uh, connecting those letters, connecting families. That made me smile, right, when you said that you received a letter and it said LOPA. Yeah. And I thought, I know where that letter oh. came from.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so we we love that, that tidbit. We love that uh, Louisiana LOPA is part of your story. Where are you calling from today? San Antonio, Texas. From mm. Texas. So tell us a little bit about your story. So you said you reached out to your donor family. We mentioned you were a grateful recipient. So tell us how your story starts and tell us uh, a little bit about you.
2: I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. And um, unfortunately, I guess my mother's family has always carried, uh, uh, I guess, something in their genetics in regards to having liver disease or autoimmune disorders. Mm. So my great-grandmother passed uh from you know cirrhosis and then my uh two two of my aunts passed and then my mother finally passed so i had learned uh, a lot about liver cirrhosis by the time that i found out about it uh and when i did find out about it it was um it was kind of scary to me you know because i i'd learned so much about it and uh i always tell everybody uh i do believe in that saying now that ignorance is bliss because it created a lot of um uh, stress, I guess, for myself. Cause I, I you know, I was, I, you know, as I was going through cirrhosis, I would, I'd already seen my mom go through it and yeah, I kind of knew what was, what was coming my way.
0: Goodness, So, so how did you get through that period and, and what did you do? Um, through that
2: period, I, well, I was, uh, I was actually listed here in, in San Antonio at uh, the Methodist hospital, but, and, uh, <clears throat> Uh, The only reason I listed myself there was, it was kind of strange, but my mother, uh, you know, uh, I moved to San Antonio like 20-something years ago, Mm -hmm. so uh, when, actually, when she uh, was passing the airline to to a university hospital here in San Antonio, and uh, she wound up passing there, so um, that's why I did not want to get listed there. I just had too many, uh, Mm. you know, bad memories. I I wish, you know, (laughs) uh, everybody told me, well, would you have done it again if I had to? I said, yeah, probably, but. At the same time, I don't think I would have, to be honest with you, because I, I, this path that I'm on is so beautiful now. That I'm just so grateful for, you know, I guess the, the hiccups, should I say.
1: How old were you when you realized that your mother had this disease and that it might affect your health? That's
2: a great question. Um, <laughs> my mother had always talked to us about it, especially as guys, you know, growing up, you know, like, hey, don't drink so much or don't, you know, kind of watch what you're doing, watch what you eat. But we, nobody ever uh, talked about it until it would happen, you know, per se. And there was no, you know, like, let's go get tested and all this other stuff, you know, beforehand. After I found out that I had cirrhosis, you know, that's when the, the doctors had told me, hey, you know what? You should ask your brothers and sisters to get tested. Um, my brother refused to get tested. He said he didn't want to know. And then my sister did. And she, she does uh, have an autoimmune, but I think she's got bachettes. So, you know, we both carry the autoimmune markers. So that was the first time that our, that our family had just, you know, had even kind of looked at ahead of time, you know. It, it, was, it was always kind of just sit and wait, you know.
0: Well, and, and so, you know, this is coming, but then physically you started to see it happen, right? Tell us about your journey.
2: Well, when I got, you know, when, when I was uh, listed at uh, the Methodist Hospital here in San Antonio, You know, you go through all these testings and it's like uh, two or three years worth of exams and, you know, blood work and so on and so forth. And uh, my melt score, I think at that time was like probably like a 25. And then it would get really, you know, then it would get really good. So, you know, it would drop down to like maybe 13, 15, something like that. And so I dealt with this, you know, for literally 15 years. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, <clears throat> gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight, and I, I couldn't understand why I was gaining so much weight. Uh, you know, I tried to do everything in my pot, in my path, you know, work out. Yeah. To, to do all kinds of things, you know, eat properly. Uh, but it just, I could not lose the weight. And it was, it, uh, you know, but like, like I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, you know, what? I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. So I'll, I'll keep exercising, keep, you know, lifting weights, keep doing whatever I did uh, until I guess it was uh, – it was during Thanksgiving when I got sick and during that time I thought I, I had con- gotten the flu because I just felt very, very tired, very weak. And uh, then I just couldn't, I couldn't snap out of it. And I, I started coughing and coughing and coughing and I felt like I didn't have any air in me. So I was at work and uh, my wife tells me, please go see the doctor. So I was like, no, I don't know. she's like, no, no, please go. So I went to my primary care physician and, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, she's the the lady that found out that I had, you know, uh, cirrhosis from the beginning, because before that, I kind of, you know, fumbled the years prior as to what was going on with me, you know, and nobody kind of, everybody's like, well, you just, you know, you're, you've are you gained weight, you've done this, you've done that. But she's, a, she's the one that found that I had the cirrhosis. So, so that was after you know, were listed? You know, I, no, no, that was, be, that was before. She was the okay. one that listed me. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so kind of backtracking, but... So I've I've always had real good faith in her. So I went back to see her and uh, she's like, let me check your oxygen level. And she's like, you're at a 70 something percent. I don't even know how you're walking. I was Mm. like, well, I'm here. She's like, no, you're not. We're we're sending you to to the hospital. So I went to the hospital. uh, They immediately put me in ICU and I was just like, well, what's going on? And uh, I guess I had a, a... my my lungs were were about eighty five percent filled with fluid at that time. Wow! So they put me on a, yeah a bunch of diuretics, more diuretics that I already been taking before, and uh, and then uh, they came and they said, you know what, we're gonna have to probably drain one of them. So you know to give you some relief. So they they went in and you know through the back and they drained. I think they took like probably two or three liters out. It was it was pretty <laughs> a good amount. Mm, that's a lot. And uh, I did feel better. Um, but then, you know, like, it was weird because um I sat there and I was just, uh, I, I, I thought I had gotten a tan of some sort. <laughs> it
0: was weird. A tan? Oh. Like,
2: I woke up one morning and I was looking at my arms, you know, and I was like, wow, you oh. know, I, I, I got a tan or something. And then uh, I, I told my wife, I said, hey, I think the lights in here, you know, helped me out or something. Mm-hmm. She goes, why? I said, I, look, I can breathe now and my color's getting better. I said, look, you know, she's like, you don't have a tan. You're yellow. And I was like, what?
0: Oh, wow. She's
2: like, and then that's when, yeah, they, that's when, you know, she went and called the nurse. And, yeah, I didn't realize that I had jaundiced out by, by that time.
0: So how are you taking all of this news, these realizations? like, How are <laughs> yes, you that, dealing yeah, with that?
2: that? That's the, yeah, that's the, the, the you know, I saw, of course, you know, my anxiety starts, you know, growing. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, like, here we go. I was like, please, you know, please, God help me. So... They were waiting, uh, I guess they they sent me after that part, uh, they had uh, an oncologist look at me and uh, they were, you know, running some, some tests and, and he says, no, we can't work on you. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you have a, a thing called amyloidosis. And I told him, I don't understand what that is. He says, well, it's a folding of the proteins that, you know, we can't work on you. Mm. And I was like, well... Oh, like, so where I, does that leave you? Yeah. Head, you know? yeah. Cause I'm talking to an oncologist. So I was like, well, you know what, where's my, you know, where's my hepatologist? I need to speak to them. So sure enough, they came in and, um, they just said, yeah, we had a, we had a meeting, uh, between the team here and we just, you know what, um, we're sorry, Mr. Lucero. And, uh, like they told me, he says, get your finances in order and get close to God. And I, and I, like, I sat there and I was like, what? But it, like, I, I I never believed like Oof, I could hear that.
1: That's a lot.
2: And, uh, yeah, and... Um,
1: and that's why you're sitting in a hospital. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and this is where people go for help. And so they're saying we can't do anything? That must have been...
2: We can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was, it was very surreal. So I sat there and, uh, and he says, um, let me call your wife. And I was like, yeah, please. So... Uh, my my wife and my uh, my dad flew in from El Paso and he he had come up and it was between uh you know my wife and my you know they had to repeat the news again so that was by that time I just uh, I broke down I just I sat there and I cried and I cried I probably cried for about two hours straight and um I just uh, it just it was really really uh, <laughs> it put me to you know like this is it you know it's just uh, and then I had to come to the rationalization that I was gonna die mm. so um, that's uh, yeah, that's something that I would never wish upon anybody, mm. you know, that, that feeling and those those thoughts and all the, the darkness that goes with it but, Oh,
1: that had to be so scary. And and I'm thinking that sometimes maybe our listeners might ask too, what was that light? Like? I mean, how did you accept that there was nothing that they could do? I really didn't. Um I I I, I
2: sat there and I was just, you know, kind of bewildered. Mm. And um that and I'm glad you're asking me that because um my wife sat there and she said, you know, she let me cry it out. And then she says, okay, are you done crying? And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, like I thought she was being very, you know, you know rash with me. And, and she says, look, since I've met you, you have never quit anything that you believe in. She says, so you're not going to quit now. And uh, I told her, what are you talking about? I said, didn't you hear these guys, what they just told me? And she's like, no. She says, that's what they said. You know, and, and uh, she's like, there's always somebody else. So she uh, she started talking to the nurse there, and uh, the nurse told her, "Yeah, you know what? There's there's uh, two possibilities for him. He can either go to Dallas or to Houston." And I told her, "I said, you know what? You're right." By that time, I was uh, I sat there and I I pondered it and thought about it, and I I thought, you know what? She's absolutely right. You know what? Um, that's one thing that my mom always taught me. You know, and like we we're saying, about, you know, I learned from my mother, I guess, through her illness that. Never to give up, you know, to always push and to always, um, you know, she she didn't quit there in El Paso. She came, you know, to, got listed in San Antonio. I got airlifted in San Antonio. And so I thought, you know what? You know, this is this is a sign. She's right. You know what? And I told my wife, you know what? Let's, uh, let's go to Houston. And she's like, well, why do you want to go to Houston? I told her, well, my, my son's a firefighter there in Katy. And uh, I told her, I said, look, if I die, you know, my dad and yourself, you know, you have support. And um, at least, you know, you guys can stay there with him, you know, while I'm in the hospital or whatever they're going to do to me. So she says, all right, let's go. And uh, that was a process.
0: (laughs) So I'm loving your wife, number one. So let's keep keep listening to her. And then I'm also (laughs) thinking as you're talking, like we appreciate you being raw and real um, because you you experienced that, you survived that. And it sounds like you're you're thriving and you're thriving because of a gift. So if you can transition to that part of your story to where things really start to turn around and how that helped you heal as well.
2: Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, Well, when I got to Houston. um, It was just a totally different world, you know, like um, they started working on me like, you know, like they came in right away. It was like, the, it was a team of, of doctors that came in and they, you know, they basically told me, they're like, look, look we're going to find out what's going on with the amyloidosis first. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to start running tests on you because we don't know you from Adam. And, and I was like, okay. They're like, you know, all the testing that you've done in the last, you know, whatever years. And I was like, yeah, they're like, we're going to put you through all of them. And I was like, Oh God, all over again. But I you know, and that actually gave me more of a, I thought, okay, I know what, what to expect. So, um, and they like they told me, we don't know if you'll make it through it because you're really sick. And I said, okay, but I didn't feel sick. That was the, you know, like uh, I felt exhausted, but I didn't feel like, you know, uh, I didn't feel that sick. So they started putting me through tests and testing and testing and testing and testing. And um, the the, the, uh, the other oncologist came in and he says, you know what, we did find the amyloidosis, but it's in your stomach, sir. And he says, and be honest with you we don't study stomachs. Mm. I was like, so there's nowhere else. He's like, it's nowhere else in your body. And he says, so I'm giving you the green light. And I was like, Oh my God. And that was like the beginning. That was the beginning of, you know, at first it was like, these guys worked on me for, I mean, I had run all my tests for three, four days and literally 24 hours around. I mean, I was exhausted. I had never had so many, you know, blood work and scans and exams. I mean, it was hour after hour after hour and three or four days worth. And when he gave me that green light, I just, I, I cried and Mm -hmm. I thanked him. And, you know, I, I, it was just, it was a that now that was the the moment that I thought, well, you know what, please, you know, like, please help me out in this. And, um, sure enough, I'm (laughs) then, uh, they, the, the team came in and they were, they were kind of coming up with a plan and I was sitting there, I was like, well, what about this and this and that. And, you know, I had, you know, doctors looking at me and they're like, and I I turned around I was like I was like why are you all staring at me you know and they're like <laughs> your melt score is you know off the charts you know you should not even be talking let alone coming up with a a plan for us I was like I don't know what you're talking about and they're like you know you're jaundiced out but you still haven't you know like I never went through the you know um, encephalopathy I did have you know I, I used to have a uh, spurts of it like where I, I would Know what I was talking about, but then it would stop. I would stop talking in the middle of a sentence. But outside of that, that that was it. So I never. They're like, we don't understand it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to tell you, but you know.
0: You got to be so unique, Tony.
2: <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. But um, and then they they told me <laughs> later on that afternoon they came out. They came in and they said, well, you know what? Um, you're 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 too sick to transplant. And oh, uh, that's when I got worried again. Yeah, I got really, really worried. It's an emotional
0: roller coaster. It is. For me, I can't imagine yes, sitting ma'am. through it or yeah. being your and, dad or your wife. And that's or... when
2: I saw. Yeah, that, that's when it really hit me because that's what happened to my mom. My mom got too sick to transplant. Mm. Oh, so you had died. seen this and, story.
1: Uh, you had already experienced it. Yes, ma'am. It's like a, I'm sitting here waiting to, I mean, I'm holding my breath. Yeah.
2: So I just, I got really, you know, like really, really scared. Um, and they said, well, you know what? We're going to we're going to find out what's going to go on, but we're probably going to have to send you home mm. and then just wait for, you know, for something, but you're too, you're too sick right now. We're going to leave you in ICU. And then we'll, we'll come back in the morning. I was like, all right. So I just, you know, my, my dad went, you know, I said, dad, just go home, you know, and they're like, wow. but yeah. It's kind know, of like, what else are you like, going to do? You know? Yeah. It was, a, it was like you said, a roller coaster, you know? So that night, you know, like I, I just prayed, I prayed and I prayed and I, I, you know, like I, I told God, I was like, God, send me some angels or send me an angel or send me, either take me or leave me, but send me something, please, God, you know, um, I tell you what, it was the strangest thing, you know, I sat there and I, um, I remember kind of falling asleep and not falling asleep, kind of, you know, like when you're in and out of sleep, and all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the nurse uh, wakes me up, it's like 4.30 in the morning, and she's like, this is Cheryl? and I was like, Yes, ma'am. And I was like, well, oh, I was expecting to leave, you know. She's like, uh, get or she goes, get up. And I was like, okay, okay, get up. And she's like, no, here, I need you to take a shower. I need you to wear, you know, with the soap. And
0: My I was like,
2: okay, well, what's going on? And she's like, you're getting a transplant.
0: Oh gosh.
2: And I was like, excuse me. And she's like, yeah. And I was, and she goes, and I was like, well, why so? You know, like <laughs> she says, well, it's Sunday. She goes, it's Sunday, and we don't do transplants on Sunday. But you're a surgeon called in the whole team for you, sir. Oh. So I was like, okay. And, and it was just kind of like, like, I guess she was surprised. I was surprised. And then the phone rang, you know, and I asked her, well, can you at least call my, my, my dad, my wife and let them know. And she's like, I've already called them. So then the phone rang and, you know, it was my coordinator. He said that, you know, they'd gotten an offer and they thought it was a really, really good match, but you know, that not to, you know, not to, to, you know, be so so high on hopes because it sometimes you know i didn't know that this at all until he told me this he says they'll send three or four of you guys in and if it doesn't match or doesn't something doesn't fit perfectly it goes to the next person so don't be you know don't go crazy if you wake up and you haven't had a transplant i was like what so it was just kind of like wow so i thought well you know what and i understood it i was like they, you know they don't waste an organ and or I was like, I don't care, sir. That's fine. He goes, but he says, but Mr. Lucero, we have a really good match. I'm I'm really, really, I was like, Aww. okay, sir. So I took a shower and, you know, I, I, I sat there in the shower and I uh, was just, it, I
1: was still kind of in shock. You know, it wasn't. Uh, it's a lot
0: to process. It, yes, ma'am. You have had the so hours, many emotions
1: yeah. that yes, you've ma'am. had to walk through. Yeah. And to, to get to this point of just waiting on this beautiful gift. Yes, ma'am. That you don't know if it's if it's going to work or not. So when you went to the into the OR, you were ready.
2: Uh, well, actually, it's funny. Um, as I was, they were wheeling me out. I was, you know, in the in the hospital bed. You know, my dad and my wife were walking with, uh, next to the bed, and they're rolling me out. And we were passing through these glass, uh, you know, like I guess the building, the building, their glass tunnels. And I was just kind of like, I I mean, I hadn't seen, you know, the world so. I was looking out and uh, yeah. I was like, "Wow, it snowed!" And then, she, and then my dad's like, "Yeah." son. I was like, "In it, Houston, it's snowing? Like, what is going on here?" Like, yeah, I know. Mm. And uh, it was weird, but and then we passed through the next tunnel, and then the sun's just peaking, you know, just mm. barely starting to pop. And I was looking out, and that was the moment that it just hit me. It hit me really, really hard. And uh, ladies, I, I wish I could sit and tell you how I truly, truly felt, but I mean, that's, I felt God at that moment or the Holy spirit or, uh, however, you know, you all want to, you know, Mm -hmm. consider that. But I, I will tell you that, um, it was, it was like surreal. I mean, I just know that everything froze.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. It
2: froze. I was peaceful. I was warm. I was, I was just like, um, in this kind of oblivious moment, you know? And, uh, I got pulled out of it because the, the nurse, she's like, Mr. Lucero, and she grabbed my arm. And I was like, yes. And she's like, we got to go. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And uh, I turned around and I told my dad and I said, dad. And he goes, yeah. And I said, dad, listen to me. He's like, what's up, son? And and I, I, I grabbed his forearm as he's walking, you know, next to the bed. And I said, I'm going to be okay, boss. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, and he says, I know you're going to be okay. And then I, I, and you know, like I, I saw his eyes and I saw him scared, you know, and uh, it, it's the worst thing to see a child to see his father yes. scared, you know, and, yes. and I just told him, I said, dad, I'm going to be okay. Whether I stay or whether I go, I'm going to be okay. Mm. Like, and he just sat there and looked at me and I was like, I'm going to be okay Dad and, uh, and it you was are. weird, but and at that are, moment, yeah. I, yeah, I had no more anxieties. I had no more uh, nothing, no, like nothing.
1: Tony, I just, to hear your story, so I've worked with LOPA for many, many years. I've worked on the front end of approaching families. I've worked with working with the doctors. And then on the back end of, um, you know, doing what Libby does, helping connect families and also supporting families, try to put their lives back together differently. And so as you told your story, it... What struck me is that your gratitude and your emotions, the ups, the downs, the struggles, the, the family that was involved, that, you know, what you learned from your mother that helped continue your journey through such a difficult time in life. And so many people, when they hit these hard places, can want to stay there or not move forward, but you didn't. And you kept moving forward. And now you carry this gift that is so beautiful and special, and you get to, to live that life moving forward. But if every doctor, every, every family thinking about donation hears the struggles that goes on the other side of someone waiting, that is why I think families say yes. They want to help someone, help someone who has spent a lifetime struggling to find this gift and to be so grateful that they received this gift. I just cannot thank you enough um, for sharing. You know, and you can't, like you said, I can't describe it to you. You, you. It's you can't tell your whole story in such a short episode. But it is so beautiful and so powerful. And I hope that we'll be able to share it in so many different ways for the doctors who who struggle to walk into a family to say, you know, your loved one has died and there's this opportunity and our staff that has to approach that family because I will keep you in mind. Your gratitude is is why we say, let's do this.
0: And what a great story of hope for us all. Um, and, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit. January 23rd, 2022, you received the gift of life. You received a liver and you sound... Very healthy, you sound very strong, very passionate, and grateful. You're, you're, you're teaching us here today. So, from where you started and those emotions to where you are now, how are you feeling, and how do you feel about that anonymous donor who gave you the gift of life?
2: Ma'am, I, I, I can't explain it to you. I mean, uh, just, I, tell, I will tell you this much gratitude is, is all I carry nowadays. <laughs> um, I
0: you must see I the world differently, work. right? Literally,
2: literally, Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I, I mean, I work full time. Um, I exercise, you know, every single day. Um, there's times when I don't want to do it, but I do it for, you know, for my donor and for my mother. Uh, cause I always, I, I promised myself that I said, you know what, if, if you don't want to do it for you sometimes, cause I know it's hard, it's hard as a, a recipient, uh, but I don't do it just for me. I do it for them, you know, because, They both gave me life. Uh, You know, I I sit there and I think about that and and, uh, they both gave me life. And um, I will tell you, the the awakening that I have felt with that gift uh, from my donor is, I I can't explain it. I mean... uh, I'm a totally different person now. (laughs) Wow! I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful. Uh, Yes, ma'am.
0: Tony, thank you so much. You can read more about Tony's story on our Lopa website, Lopa.org. Just type in his name, Tony, L-U-C-E-R-O. It has been a pleasure to learn from you, uh, to talk to you today, to understand your story. And man, we're so glad you found the podcast and that you reached out because just think of the people that you'll help just by sharing your story. Pretty powerful
1: stuff. Oh, I'm giving, I'm just sending you an air hug, Tony. I just, your story's been very moving. Thank you, ladies.
0: Here on The Gifted Life, we take a moment for mental health. And today, Niall is covering the topic of slowing down. Oh, I could just, really use, use this talk today, uh, ma'am. I know. Life is so fast, just fast paced. All of our friends when we're talking, it's like, life's so busy, but I just want to say hi.
1: <laughs> and I, I know. I, I send texts now to friends instead yeah. of picking up the phone because it's almost like you're too busy to have right. that conversation. Or to
0: devote attention, like I, to give you my full attention, like I need to plan it out. Because life's so busy. Do you start talking faster when you get busy? Yes. I do too. I do too. I mean, and, I, and then I feel like I'm trying to wrap up. Okay, well, great, thanks.
1: <laughs> One foot, like it yes. starts moving behind yeah. you like you're walking away. Yeah. yeah, okay, so why is life so busy now? Is it because we're older? I guess. I mean,
0: I've really been thinking about <laughs> about this, man. But tell me what you know.
1: Okay, here's my theory, um, and 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 I'm, I'm I listened to somebody else talk about this theory, so I'm gonna say I agree with someone else's theory. Mm-hmm. But like we had COVID and everything slowed down. Yeah, I like that. Right, but now we've gone. Back to life, but we're still not taking into account all the new technology we have, all the capability of 24-7. Really, some amazing things came out with communication during COVID, but we're not accounting for travel time now that it Mm -hmm. takes to get from home to work. Mm -hmm. So we can do so much from our home now. But if you've got to travel to work and your kids are back in activities and all this other life is going on outside of what we we figured out how to do, Mm -hmm. like, that hasn't slowed down. So that's my theory that, like— Post COVID, we're still trying to live the life before COVID Mm -hmm, or we're mm -hmm. trying to go back to that, but we want to hang on to what we created in during COVID.
0: I don't know. Does that make sense? I think you're right. I'm gonna give you an A plus. A plus, (laughs) I'll take it. So like But I think you're right. Like my friend and I have been talking about this, you know, through text because obviously we don't have time to pick up the phone, but she has four kids. Everybody's in four different directions. They both work, same on our end. And we still haven't done Christmas from like last year. Like, but yeah. we haven't gotten a chance to get together. We don't live in the same city. So it's just hard. And we're like, what is happening? And we're just in that season of life? I don't think it is. I really don't. Because my, my teenager is like,
1: oh, mom, it's so fast. Everything's yeah. so fast. But, you know, everything's fast. For people working, for if you're a stay home mom, if you're elderly, whatever it is, life seems to be faster. Okay, so what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. And it it takes. I thought you were
0: asking me. I like, Nyla, (laughs) I'm asking you. Well, you know, I think we have to be
1: intentional. And in mental health, Mm -hmm. um, there's a spectrum. People will talk about, oh, on the spectrum. And so you're just kind of thinking, I think of it like a, I don't know, a tightrope. And then there's this balance or Mm -hmm. a swinging pendulum. And there's to the far right and to the far left from one end to the other. But like life happens. Yeah in the middle Mm -hmm. so how do you find that balance and if we don't wake up intentional with what time that we have then we miss the life that we're living right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so two ways to practice okay slowing down mindful trying to eat mindfulness wait (laughs) okay i don't know if you want to cut that or we'll just keep going (laughs) but uh tongue twister so being mindful about eating okay so slowing down and really, and you've heard taste that's where your I make food. up my time though. Nyla. I need to eat in like, the car. Yes, talk, yeah. Drive eat while it. you work. Yep. But stop and just slow down. But don't have the TV on. Don't have noise. Just slow down and say when I eat. So hopefully that's a few times during the day that you're going to practice being mindful. And then just practice being slow. Like a reset. Er. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when you drive. Okay. Slow down. Have you ever gotten from point A to point B and you just, you're thinking, I I asked my daughter, "It's like, when did that building go up? And she's like, mom it has been going up for a long time. And I knew that, but I mean, it was a, it was a building. I mean, they had put the trees in. Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't see it. I didn't, I missed it. I completely missed a building going up. And I think that's what made me think about this topic of. How do we – we're going to miss everything. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you've heard the saying that life happens, you know, between birth and death. It's the dash of where – and there's a poem, and that's where our life happens. So we don't want to miss it.
0: Mm -hmm. I've been doing that in the car, but with music. So it started around the holidays, just beautiful tunes for the holidays to get you in the spirit. Mm -hmm. So I started listening to that. So on my drive, like three songs or something that that I'd listened to – that just kind of reset me okay and so that's kind of carried through into the new year so hopefully that's a new thing for me so I can do that one the eating like I'm gonna really have to work it. <laughs> I am because you, know, you know like what? you try to beat the GPS we try to <laughs> anytime you do yeah <laughs> <laughs> you do that yes if if any if you get good
1: it, that ain't even sound like good grammar so I'm really tongue-twisting it um but I think that if we get better at something, it takes time, it takes patience, Mm -hmm. and it takes trying over and over and over. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss my life. So I am trying to slow down and I'm appreciating this time with you.
0: It's fun looking at you, Lori, because I'm sitting in Joey's seat. (laughs) And it's the new year, you know, like we we still have time to make some positive change. So I like it. We're just going to slow down, even with my thoughts here. Maybe you have something you want us to cover here at The Gifted Life. All you have to do is email us, info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, Nyla, this has you written all over it. I love this question. How do I reach out to my donor's family to thank them for their loved one's gift of life? You help a lot of our families because people are just like, where do I start? What do I say? how do i how do I go forward? Yeah. and then you're there.
1: Oh, I love when we have recipients reach out to us with this question. It's easy. You can call um, our family service department and we'll walk you through it. We'll help you with it, or you can go to our website and we have all the information there. We even have um, sample letters on our website. It tells you what to like um, where to mail that. Uh, it gives you suggestions on what you can talk about. but I have so many um, Donor families, that the, all they want to do is hear from the recipient, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's nothing more than they just want to know that they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. So to to reach out to say thank you is such a beautiful gesture. And but I've heard recipients say, "I don't know how to say
0: thank you," or and some are seems- overwhelmed and they yeah. never start because they're like, well, "How do, do you s- say that? Yes, yeah. what do you say?" And so, um, I, and I, um, was with you when we had a, a family in, and you said it could be a simple card. And you just sign your name and you just start there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yes. And and you know, I've seen
1: where people want to write the story, yeah. their story, and it might be three pages and they want to send pictures and that's fine, too. I, I do think that you have to figure out um, what is it that you want to share with mm-hmm. the family and we'll help you figure out how you can do that. So please give us a call or go to our website. We are always here to support either the recipient family or the donor
0: family yeah and that's here for the louisiana organ procurement agency called the opo the organ procurement agency um you know where you guys are and i'm sure they have some wonderful people like our there as well uh, maybe you have a question you'd like us to cover here on the gifted life we'd love to hear from you call us 504-648-3477 In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero, Brooke Richard. We learn about Brooke from
1: her mother. The greatest stories ever told are most always about our children. So let me introduce you to my beautiful daughter, Brooke Alexandra Richard. Brooke was born on October 17, 1995, at 8.45 a.m., weighing in at 6 pounds and 1 ounces, and 19 and a half inches long, and she was the most precious baby. Of course, all babies are precious, right? My girl loved to travel, sing, and make lots and lots of friends, as she never met a stranger. Brooke was diagnosed with protein S deficiency when she was 16 years old, and neither of us could imagine the journey we would be in for. Doctor's appointments all the time, constant blood work, the dreaded medication, and checking Coumadin levels all the time. Brooke was a trooper and never let this stop her from enjoying life to the fullest. Sadly, on October 19th, 2022, after celebrating her 27th birthday, my daughter passed away due to a blood clot that traveled to her heart, which now brings me here to tell everyone about her and honor her for the amazing, wonderful young woman that she was. Rest in peace, my sweet angel. I love you with my whole heart. Until we meet again,
0: MMM, comfy, cozy, love, mama. And now we pause and say thank you to Brooke for the gift of life. going to do it for episode 231 of The Gifted Life. Thanks for hanging with us, guys, and thanks for listening. Remember, you can register as an organ, tissue, and eye donor anytime. Registerme.org. Inspiring conversation with Tony gets you thinking. You know, just lots of positivity. Oh, I love hearing recipient stories. I love
1: hearing donor family stories because, I mean, we just, it gives me hope. Mm -hmm. You see the world as a better place.
0: And I like that we found him through the podcast. Mm -hmm. We'd like to talk to you, too. So uh, reach out to us, guys. The best place to find us is at our website,
1: thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find us. On
0: social, you can like our page on Facebook, the Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at giftedlifepodcast pod. Our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Thanks for listening. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Nala Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.